This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. Spreading freedom across the nation. This is The Buck Sexton Show. Team Buck, welcome to Hour 3 in the Freedom Hut. I'm, I've got vacationitis right now. I just, I'm looking forward to a week off next week very much. I'm going to um, be kind of lazy, I think, and uh, probably eat too much and drink too much. Put on a few LBs. It's all right. I know how to, I'll shave them off in the new year. And uh, or not. And uh, this hour, I was just thinking we could take some calls, talk about some stuff, maybe make a diehard reference, come out to the coast, have a few laughs, you know, just general, general Buck Sexton radio talk, uh, because I just no more, no new headlines today that are really exciting me. And so I'm open to anything right now. I got some things in mind. And uh, I wasn't planning on doing a sort of year in review, although Friday we'll have that uh, show that will be airing on the Blaze Radio uh, starting at noon. But for now, there was this great montage pulled together of what Grabian, which is a news like aggregator site, I guess. I don't really know Grabian. Uh, But the media's 10 most mortifying moments of 2016 is the uh, headline here on Grabian.com. And I wanted to work through this montage because here's the thing. I have I work in the media, but I didn't always. Uh, there are two kinds of people I find in media. There are those of us who sort of come into it from doing something else before. And then there are people who this is all they've ever wanted to do. And I think there are perspectives tend to be a bit different on many things. I sort of look around and I find media to be a business largely dominated by frauds. Um, and I think that it's... More so than many other businesses, it's not fair. Uh, it's not merit-based. It's And I know that nothing is totally fair. Nothing is totally But media is worse than other things. I mean, the only, the only career track I can think of that might be even more arbitrary and seem like it's just completely uh, doggy, doggy, dog would be acting, which I've never done. But I, from what I've told from friends of mine who have tried to be actors and such, another really tough place to a tough place to make a living and it's not fair and all the rest of it right a lot of politics work a lot of who you know and who knows but i've i've always had this view since i came into media of well most people in this business especially journalists big j journalists uh are are dishonest i don't know if they're just dishonest with the public or they're dishonest with themselves or both but they're not who they are holding themselves out to be right there's something about them that is inherently dishonest um, because they think they don't have an opinion, they don't have a bias. And this is all stuff that's been well talked about. And, you know, Bernie Goldberg wrote a book by, I think, that wrote, isn't that right? Bernie Goldberg? Bernard Goldberg? Yeah. Bias about his time at CBS. And, I mean, I see this all over the place. And, you know, I know people in media, I knew people in media from when I was CIA and before then, even in private life, 
you know, just as an as an everyday American, which I still am an everyday American, but you know what I mean, who could have really, I think, helped me or opened doors for me um, this year or the last few years uh, through with very minimal effort. But don't and they don't because of my politics, even though they know me or they know my family. So it's a very, uh, very nasty game. That much is to be sure. Very, very gross, very unfair. With all that said, this past year, in the almost now, it'll be six years in June, so let's say five and a half years that I've been in media doing radio, TV, and, and writing, um, some combination of the three, was the, was just the, I, I don't know if I could ever sort of regain any basic sense of respect for much of the media. I, it was just such a a clown show. There was so much nonsense around trying to get Hillary Clinton elected and so much of the sort of the Trump hatred and, and just everything. It just felt like a year of uh, media freakout, like a media um, melee. There's some sort of almost anarchy that was breaking out where the usual trappings of of honesty and disinterestedness in the sense of people not pushing for their own interests or whatever instead of uninterested. Um, that stuff all sort of fell away. This is my way of saying, I want to play for you this montage from Gravian and just stop and just, just have a little fun with the, as they put it, the 10 most mortifying moments of 2016. But, oh, media, you really, you really debased yourself this year. And let's get into it. Start it and we'll stop. Once you dust for fingerprints, it's pretty clear who ruined America. White people, uh, people my age that they Wait, can we think stop for design- one sec? So you know, you start with Samantha B there, you know, making a joke about how white. I mean, this is now the joke that lazy, that lazy, cowardly comedians make. You know, just make fun of white people. This isn't this isn't amuse. I mean, it's not that white people can't take a joke. It's just not funny. It's a, it's a lazy joke for stupid people. Um, and anyway, and of course, people say, "Well, she's making it about herself." No. By making a joke about white people, the white people who do that are signaling that they're sort of elite and separate and better than the lumpen masses, the sort of lumpen proletariat of Trump voters that are out there uh, and Republicans in general, by the way. They haven't this whole thing about how the Republican Party is racist, white, male, bigoted, you know, NASCAR watching all, you know, hillbillies and all that. They've, they said that about Mitt Romney. I mean, they say this about everybody. So it's not like it's really changed. It's just with Trump, maybe gotten a little louder. So that's Samantha B for you. Not a fan. Um, I am not a fan. Uh, now let's go on to uh, some of the Hillary press conferences that happened. Go. Honest. And when he said that, I winced. And I was wondering, do you get your feelings hurt sometimes? What frustrates you the most about perceptions about you? A declared socialist. Wait, dramatic- stop. Stop. There's another one. That was Lesser Holt asking Hillary Clinton, do your feelings get hurt sometimes? Oh, do your feelings get hurt sometimes? Oh, do you think that any journalist ever asked Donald Trump? I mean, a journalist, Lester Holt, this guy's a nightly news anchor making millions and millions and millions of dollars a year to show up and read off a prompter, basically, and read pre-prepared questions. By the way, Matt Lauer and all these guys, I see them. They're always sitting there with the questions that are already pre- already baked in beforehand. You know, the producer hands them a little sheet. Buck doesn't need no sheet of questions from producers. Please sit there and got the questions in my head. Roll with the conversation. But Buck doesn't have a national national TV platform with millions and millions of dollars attached to it yet. So maybe maybe I'm doing something wrong. 
Uh, but anyway, I thought that's kind of funny. Oh, your feelings hurt, Hillary. She's like, oh, my feelings get hurt. This makes her so sad. It really is. Uh, okay, now let's get into when Castro died, the way that some of the networks and some of the anchors covered this. This was awesomely bad. Go. ...improved health care and literacy. Many saw positives, education and health care for all, racial integration. You see the medicine system they are very proud of. I'm quite certain that they're not celebrating his death in Cuba. And he brought health care. Even Castro's critics praise his advances in health care and in education. It's considered, even to this to this day, the George Washington of his country. Fidel continued to promote leftist movements in Latin America, where he remained popular until his death. He was a romantic figure when he came into power. We American young young high school kids and kids in those days rooted like mad for the guy. He will be remember, remembered fondly. You see donkey carts alongside uh, cars, trucks, and buses in downtown Havana because that's exactly what they'd rather have for transportation. Stop, stop, stop. Brian Williams isn't just a liar. He's actually kind of an idiot. And, and I think a lot of people realize that they were sort of swindled or bamboozled because he sounds like a news anchor. He looks like a news anchor, but he's really not very smart. Yeah, they have donkey carts in downtown Havana because that's the way they would rather do it. They'd rather not have like new, efficient, clean, air-conditioned vehicles. They want cars from the 1950s that break down all the time and donkey carts, because that's, quote, that's how they would rather do it. He also referred to the medicine system. I mean, usually you'd say medical system, but anyway. But the medicine system, you know, that in Cuba, I guess he doesn't know that, yeah, there's free health care, but the free health care system there sucks. And there's a different, entirely different system for apparatchik state officials, members of the Communist Party, Castro, his inner circle. They have, just like the Soviet Union, they have a better, it's still not great, I mean, you know, ask anyone this question. Okay, um, you have uh, you have skin cancer. Do you want to deal with this in the United States? Or you want to deal with this in Cuba? I think even people with no health care would say, uh, "I'll take my chances in the U.S." Then, then go with the free Cuban version anyway. But yeah, that was the the Cuba stuff was when the ignorance of the various news anchors was just mind boggling. Uh, also, stuff about racial integration. Um, interesting that they apparently don't know anything about racist policies that Castro instituted in Cuba and the way black Cubans are treated. But just they don't know anything. I I don't think this is going to happen anymore. I do think that the current generation of leftist media talking heads and such, um, I I do think, and I said and such, and some of you get mad at me for that because it's a verbal tick and everyone has some verbal ticks. I try to get rid of all of mine, but when you speak for three hours at a time, sometimes they come out. Uh, the people that are my peers on the left uh, tend to be, and I, I mean the ones who are good uh, and, and who have futures in the business and aren't just sort of flashing the pan, yelling, screaming idiots. Uh, they're at least educated from a leftist perspective, right? At least they have some, they're, they're, they are uh, fast firing synapses in the brain, right? They, they're pretty quick. The, Left anchor, the leftist anchors that I see on TV, especially places like MSNBC, but at other cable news networks too, are idiots. They don't know anything. And they have these lofty positions and people want to prop them up. And I always want to sit there and say, these people don't even, they don't even read books. They don't know anything about anything. They, they have no 
intellectual curiosity, nor any intellectual storehouse of knowledge, wisdom, anything. But they're promoted and put on TV and paid all this money. It just, it makes no sense. And people say, oh, it's what the market will bear. Well, not really. These are entrenched interests. These are legacy institutions, and they're run by small groups of people that decide what different people get paid. And Yeah, and it's not really what the market will bear because it's not a fair system, right? I can't start a TV show. I have to go to a network to be on a TV, uh, to be on TV shows. Well, that costs a lot of money, and there's FCC regulations, and there's licenses, and there's all this other stuff. And anyway, and it's not just based on ratings, as we know. Look at they gave that they gave a show to that guy Ronan Farrow. Do you ever watch that show? I actually, it was so, I was it was so bad, and I hate this stuff too. When they give these brats who have a famous last name in media any kind of a platform because of their last name, it's really gross. It's really gross because this is a hard business, and people with something to offer and something to add into it are struggling. Look, it's it's tough to just make a living doing this. People write me all the time. They say, you know, how do I get into commentary? Or how can I do media? And I want to write them back. And I sometimes have a, some of you might have even gotten this message from me. Do you you know do you have uh, do you have kids? Do you have a mortgage? If the answers to those two questions are yes, don't transition careers into media. If you're a single person and you can go you know without for a while and sort of just pull it all together somehow, maybe. But if you've got family members who depend on you and obligations, financial obligations, no, 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 no. This is not a career path you want to try. But it's with that, it's with that background that I look and I see some, you know, it's like when Chelsea Clinton gets paid $650,000 to do 20 minutes of work for NBC News. That's what the market will bear. Well, I guess it's what the market will bear for buying off the Clintons, but it's not like it's based on her, you know, on her on-air capabilities. She was horrible. She was absolutely, I remember watching her and thinking, this is somebody who should never be on TV, not even like an interview context. She's just terrible. Uh, and Ronan Farrow, given the job because he had like worked in the State Department as an intern or something. I don't know. Um, and and his dad maybe was uh, supposed to be, what was it, Frank Sinatra or something, right? And Mia Farrow was his mom. I don't even know the story. Uh, and his name was Satchel, and then he changed it to Ronan. Anyway, I don't know the kid, never met him. Maybe he's a nice guy, no idea. No one knows who he is. They give him a TV show at MSNBC. It's so bad that I feel bad for him when it's on. That's really saying something. Usually it's bad and then it's amusing. So you're like, wow, this this stinks. Like that guy, Jenk uh, Uger. I mean, I think it's bad, but it's, you know, he's sort of just such a, a, a loudmouth jerk that it's entertaining. You know, and it's reminds you know sometimes alex jones stuff can be really entertaining i mean he's out of his mind but he sometimes it can be funny um that he that he thinks that i'm like part of the I'm, I, you know i wish i'm part of some cia conspiracy that would be great uh cia is long gone long in my rearview mirror but anyway uh i i just find it uh find astonishing yeah ronan farrow's show on msnbc which they had to pull it was so bad that when it would go on TV, I, would, I, I actually was like, somebody should do him a favor and they should just like fade to black and, and just never do this again. That's how bad it was, which is tough to have a sort of news and interview show that's that horrific. But that's where it was. And they did, of course, cancel it after like six months or something. Um, so, oh, wait, I want to get back into the worst of media this year, though. This is fun. I'm enjoying this. I know it's not really in the Christmas spirit, is it, Buck? I'll, I will talk about some nice stuff on the other in the other half of this hour. We're, I'm a little bit of a Krampus mode right now. Those of you who know the Krampus is the devil-like figure that punishes, or demon-like figure that punishes people for being naughty at Christmas time. Uh, so we'll, we'll, I'll be Santa Claus in the second half. I'm the Krampus in the first half. We'll be right back. 
This is the Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. Jim in Minnesota, you're on the Buck Sexton Show. Welcome. Hey, how you doing, Buck? Merry Christmas, by the way. What's up? I said Merry Christmas, by the way. Oh, Merry Christmas, sir. Yep, yep. But uh, anyway, I was uh, calling in as far as I appreciated the, uh, uh, as far as Attaboy or Bravo Zulu in the Navy, we call it, uh, as far as for the guys that are, you know, say, standing on the front lines, you know, our policemen and, uh, you know, our, you know, as far as our deployed you know, special forces and stuff like that, as far as that, uh, you know, they're on the, you know, they're not enjoying their holidays. They're, you know, on duty. And, uh, you know, being in the Navy myself, I've spent a couple Christmases away from my family. And, uh, but, uh, like I said, it's part of the, you know, part of the job, part of the, you know, sacrifice that, uh, we do when we, uh, as far as, you know, sign on the dotted line and make that oath. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, that's why I wanted to take some time today and uh, speak to that. Um, we thank all of them for their service. Jim, we thank you for your service. Uh, Merry Christmas up in Minnesota. Stay warm. I know it's a little cold up there. And, oh, yeah. Uh, all We're the, the best 40s to you. today, so I'm happy. <laughs> oh, okay. There, yeah, in the 40s in Minnesota, it's like bikini weather, so enjoy. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. Shorts. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Talk to you soon. I feel like that was a microaggression. I should have said, like, board shorts weather, but, you know, you know whatever. The mind goes where it goes. Um. 888-900-3393, by the way, if you would like to call in. Um, would very much like to hear from some of you. We've got today, we've got tomorrow, and then we're on vacation Friday and then all next week, team. Although, uh, do keep in mind, I'm in for Mr. Rush Limbaugh on radio. I'll be down in Florida, but I'll be in for him on radio on the 30th. So, that will be a whole lot of fun, my friends. I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, 888-900-3393 on those phones. Let's go back to these. I'm having fun with this sort of media stuff. Uh, let's do... Oh, yeah, Andrea Mitchell. This is, uh, Press play. Voracious reader, very, very smart. He would be a, a figure that you'd look up to fast. and say, God, this guy's great. It's been extraordinary. Here's I've got to tell you, Rachel. First of all, she did not mention... The email controversy. This armory is filled. The the overflow room is filled. They've opened up the doors to the ballroom. There are a lot of people here. James Taylor played for 45 minutes. It was extraordinary. This has been a sort of magical night. Some of the dark and satanic tones that uh, that Cruz has. Well, if actually, if you go to a speech from his dad, it, who's a pastor, evangelical, Rafael Cruz, it actually is satanic. <laughs> There's a lot of domestic terrorists we classify that, that do that. They're rooted in 
white hate movements. And so it could be that. But ISIS would do this to a hundred million Americans if they could. But so Stress would white nationalists. We're Wait, not stop, getting to the stop, core. Stop. I, 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 I let way too much go. We might have to go back to some of these. That was in reference to the Pulse nightclub shooting. Uh, I think you have um, a Dennis. I think it's Dennis Prager there saying that. Uh, or is it? No, it's not Dennis Prager. It's the, it's the guy who looks like Dennis Prager at the radio show. You know what I'm talking about, uh, John? Who, who's that guy? Uh, you know. Uh, he's got like white hair and I cannot remember his name and I feel he's on Salem. Anybody? Bueller? I know. I know. His, I'm just blanking his name. I know his name. I'm not pretending that I just. All right. Well, anyway, they're talking about the Pulse nightclub shooting and a conservative says ISIS would do this to 100 million people in this country if they could. And then you get on an MSNBC commentator who says so would white nationalists. Um, no. And it's an idiotic statement out of nowhere. Uh Back in a few. The Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Buck Sexton. Blaze Radio Network. Uh, we've got a call from Robert in New Jersey. What's up, Robert? Hey, how you doing? Hey, what's up? Not bad. Uh, at, uh, Merry Christmas, of course, and Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas to uh, Merry Christmas to our uh, armed forces, uh, our warriors overseas. Um, I also wanted to, uh, you know, uh, kind of comment about that last clip that I heard um, with regard to the liberal media. And basically coming to the aid of ISIS, <laughs> saying that, you know, white nationalists would do the same thing as ISIS, which is ridiculous, first of all. But second of all, it's, it's really funny how the left will come to the aid of a terrorist organization just because they're on the same political side. I just find it's like it's furious. It's actually quite infuriating. Uh, white nationalists don't, you know, don't run countries. White nationalists aren't... Uh... Engaged in, I mean, the, the white nationalist is, is now the sort of the great boogeyman of, of the left, right? <laughs> this is what we've seen happen that you would even put that anybody would put this on the same plane as the scale of the threat from uh, from jihadist Islam. Uh, I just don't, or just jihadist because they're all part of Islam. Uh, but this is just insanity. But this passes for. Uh, I don't know. This passes for eloquence. This passes for sage thinking on the left. And it's just mind boggling to me how, how stupid these people are, are willing to sound on these issues. And, and also, I, I love that there are some people who are just allowed to spout off on anything without any credential. And one of the experiences I've always had at CNN is I always have to respect the opinions of people that know nothing, don't have my level of experience, specifically on issues of terrorism and jihadism. And and I have to be respectful of their of them in the conversation, even though in reality, I could be like, you you don't know anything, including some of the people they put up there as national security experts. But then when I get put up there, you know, it's, you know, who, you know, who are you and you're endangering people overseas and all this crazy crap. It turns into a conversation about me, which I always find uh, very annoying. So there you go. Yeah, it, it's, it's pretty scary because, I mean, even people who are somewhat intellectual, like I'm in I'm in the forensic field. And basically, like, you know, every, like, I'm still studying, like, I'm, I'm almost on my pH, but um, you should hear some of the conversations, 
with regards to like the, the first the first amendment the fourth amendment and uh you know the nsa and uh you know all, all of their efforts uh, to this point uh with regard to intercepting uh you know media and uh it's just it's just hilarious you know they, they really they really they don't get it. They don't get it. They don't get it. They feel that Bush, and I, I'm not a Bush fan. I'm pretty sure you're not either. I mean, you probably respected him like I did, but I think he did a lot of questionable things as well. Yeah, he was well-intentioned. Um, he was okay. I give him like a, yeah. outside of the war on terror, uh, I give him like a B, B minus. Yeah, he was naive, I, I would think, which is which is weird. I think, you know, one thing about nationalists, I think, and I don't I, I don't want to, I hate drawing these uh, broad brushes, or these broad strokes, but I think nationalists, a lot of them, especially like the billionaire types, they will throw America under the table if they're doing business with a foreign entity that America happens to be, uh, you know, out of favor with, you know, like with Rex. Well, I'm kind of missing this. You're saying national. We're not not talking about white nationalists anymore. You're just talking about nationalists in general. Yeah, nationalists, period. Yeah. And and what do you think they do? I'm not a liberal. Well, I, I think that it's possible, like, for instance, the Bushes and the Saudis, you know, they get along very well, and it kind of makes me a little bit uneasy um, because, you know, they do business as, as, together as well. Um, so I feel that because of that relationship that they may have behind closed doors, maybe they're friends. I don't know. But I feel that that compromises uh, our stance politically as well as militarily sometimes. Hmm. Um, and so I, I feel that, like, you know, Rex Tillerson or whatever this guy is, and Russia could have a similar situation going on. And uh, yeah, a lot of people are I'm saying a, that. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I buy that, but uh, we'll okay. see what comes out in the hearings. Yeah, I, well, I, you know, I don't understand. It's like it's like I used to work for the CIA, and when I was in the CIA, I you know would not have I would not have done anything to undermine or or sort of help with the public critique of the agency. Now I'm out and I'm a citizen and I'm just a private citizen. And like, yeah, I'll tell you when the agency screws up and gets things wrong and, you know, that it's Mm -hmm. imperfect and everything else. I mean, I just feel like, you know, you're working for a private corporation. Of course, you're trying to get the best deals you can for your company when working in foreign countries. I don't think I I would I'd like to think that you could also be a patriot who went in a position of representing the American people. You have a different set of interests, and uh, you know mm-hmm. Rex Tillerson is not looking to you know pad the retirement account, and the guy's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. So I, mm-hmm. I I don't see this as as much of an issue. I mean, if it's just about fondness and familiarity with Putin, do people really think he's going to sell out the American people and their interests because he you know has has a relationship with Putin? And by the way, how close they really are? I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure some of that's exaggerated in the media, and I'm also sure that some at some level it was a business relationship and they were just trying to sort of put on a, a smiley face and be polite to each other. Do you know what I mean? I, you know, I, I'm not sure well, that I, Tillerson I like and, and Putin are like hugging it out and going, you know, going for snuggle sessions all the time. No, no, I, feel, I totally feel what you're saying, but I was reading about him a little bit. And, you know, correct me at any time, of course. Uh, you obviously yeah, Correct me at any time. Go ahead. But um, I, I was reading about him a little bit, and I, uh, I read that uh, basically – uh, he switched from like gas to uh, to shale due to environmental purposes. Like he wanted to reduce imprints, and so I feel that he's not only. You know, I think he's, I feel that he's also ideologically somewhat similar. If you look at like you know all the cases like the, the Planned Parenthood thing and uh, you know and um, abortion. The, you know what uh, what else was it? The, the Planned Parenthood. I don't know. And, I don't know. 
The I Boy think we're, Scout, start, we're starting to lose Scout the threat a little bit here with, with Rex Tillerson. So. Okay, yeah, I don't, I don't need to come out against Trump. Don't get me wrong. I mean, like I no, said, come I come out against Trump if you want. I'm just trying to get us to a conclusion here because we've got to move to uh, the, the next segments here. So, Robert in New Jersey. Okay. Merry Christmas, man. Thank you for calling in. I Merry appreciate Christmas, it. Merry Christmas, man. Stay hard. Shields, shields high. Absolutely. Uh, good to talk to you. Um, so uh, where were we? Oh, yeah. Media stuff. Bad moments in media. Play it. An extraordinary sit-in on the House floor stretches into the early morning hours. Make no mistake. Wait, stop, stop, stop. So that was, do you remember that? Over the gun issue, they wanted to, I think, I think was it after the Pulse nightclub massacre? They wanted to take some action on guns. And so members of the House of Representatives did a sit-in after hours in the House of Representatives, and they were putting it on Periscope. I mean, they acted out the way that we've come to expect social justice warriors on campus to act, which is just sort of live stream your own little self-righteous temper tantrum. That's what they did. This is elected members of Congress. And the media was covering this. And at first, there was a sort of, I was actually at CNN when this happened. I was supposed to talk about I don't know, something probably. Hey, Buck, Trump said this racist thing. Defend it. Right. That's that was that was fun. Uh, But they it wasn't even necessarily racist. Right. But that's how they would frame it. And now it's like, oh, you're going to defend the racist comment. I'm like, well, I don't know if it's racist. (gasps) Only a racist would think that comment's not racist. So uh, they they had this whole thing of the sit in in the in the house and people were. And they were in the newsroom and everything. They were like, oh, this is great. You know, this is so wonderful. Look at them doing this. Uh, This is getting attention for this issue. And it was just to take action on guns. And they don't even really know what the actions were they were supposed to take. It's just all nonsense. But the first reaction of many in the journalism community was that this is great. This is great. Whatever. All right, next uh, next in the media, lowlights, go. It was dramatic, like nothing we have ever seen before. Truly one of the most dramatic demonstrations on the House See, floor in modern American history. Were you surprised at how large this got? I mean, Kim Kardashian was tweeting about it. Watching John Lewis, a man, uh, you know, who marched with Dr. King. Now you see him literally sitting with your colleagues on the floor. Uh, what does that image say to you? Trump is headed for a historic defeat. The larger the defeat, in a sense, the healthier it will be for the Republican Party, at least if it doesn't bring exactly. Paul Ryan's speakership down with him. It might be a wake-up call to those Republicans who have existed in this little thought bubble of their own that this isn't a winning form of politics. You know, we, we could be talking landslide. Hillary Clinton today is more likely to win in a landslide that would not only have an impact on this race, but realign the country. That would translate to an electoral majority and probably a ele- landslide for Hillary. This could be tight or it could be a landslide for Hillary. Most analysts are saying that Hillary Clinton's going to win in a landslide. If that spreads among women voters all across the country, he's going to lose by a landslide and, and they could lose the Senate and the House. So the technical term for that, if she's anywhere near your prediction, would be blowout. I'd give a landslide. I don't know. I would, a say, I would say a landslide. <laughs> a landslide, everybody. That's what the media was predicting. A landslide, a blowout annihilation of trump by hillary clinton that's what they were saying that's what was supposed to happen here and who could have thought nope not a landslide not a blowout definitely not what happened and so we are left to sit here and think to ourselves is the media chastened at all by getting it so very, very, very wrong? No, of course not. They just sort of double down on all the same stuff in the past. Are we going to be looking at a different kind of media coverage of Trump or anything 
right-wing Republican in 2017? No. It's going to be fascinating to watch the shift here because they've been largely in the cheerleader mode and now they're going to have to be in attack mode. They've been on defense for the administration and now they're going to be on offense going after the administration. And it's uh, it remains to be seen. There's a part of me that, that thinks that well, Trump was able to sort of weather the storm of withering media criticism for so long during the primary and the general election that there's no amount of media hatred that could really bring him down or that could bring down the administration or even slow it down. But, yeah, they've got a, you know, what is it? To never pick a fight with somebody who buys ink by the barrel, in this case, who, you know, has websites with lots of clicks. Uh, the media is going to really make a go of it, I think. They're going to try to uh, just completely hobble the Trump administration before it even gets going. And there's just this part of me that wants to stop and walk around and, and walk into the newsrooms of all these places, although they'd be like, who's, who's this kid with a side part? Although, am I a kid anymore? I'm almost 35, kind of old now. For me, old. I mean, it's not actually old for the real world, I know, but you know, my, my neck hurts, you know, my back hurts, things hurt now. I used to be kind of indestructible, and now I'm just destructible all the time. Uh, but I want to walk around to the newsrooms of some of these places and say, you guys realize that there's some things that Trump might do that could actually just be good for America. And I know that that sounds so naive and cheesy to you and, and, and sounds like blasphemy. Sounds like utter nonsense. But, you know, maybe, maybe, just maybe, lowering the corporate tax rate a little bit would be really good for American businesses. Could, could we just give it a shot? Could we just try? You know, just give, a little, give them that. Why don't we do that? See how it goes. There are a few other areas where you think that they just try this and see how things uh, play out. You know, that's one area. I mean, the tax code is the one area that comes to mind. There are others as well. You'd think that they could just give a tiny bit of leeway to just see what he does. I'm waiting. I want to see what he does. This show in six months, I may be like, guys, Trump, I don't know what we're going to do, man. This is crazy. This guy's messing up everything. I don't think that's going to happen, but it could. But at least... Wait until the guy starts to make some actual decisions as president, you would think. But, yeah, I know. We've all been sort of bathing in the tears of the media post-Hillary post loss, and they aren't going to forget that anytime soon either. I do think there's a, quite a bit of rage that has built up in the media establishment about all of this. So we will have to see. We'll have to see. Well, let's talk about some Christmas stuff on the other side. Uh, Team Buck, I'll be right back. Buck Sexton on the Blaze Radio Network. Buck Sexton. Team, we've got a minute or two here, and then we got the show tomorrow, and then Christmas break, uh, Christmas, and uh, Buck birthday on the twenty eighth, and then New Year's, and then twenty seventeen. I think uh, I think the Freedom Hut is going to have a fantastic, a really phenomenal twenty seventeen. A lot of growth, a lot of new Team Buck members joining. That's what I'm. That's what I'm wishing for for Christmas, and anything you can do to help in that. That's all I want for my 35th birthday is for you to get one new Team Buck listener in 2017. One of your friends, one associate, one person you know, one colleague, one family member. 
one, each one of you listening, 2017. That's what I ask. It's all I want for Christmas. It's all I want for my birthday. And with that, team, I want to read to you this quote from uh, A Christmas Carol, Charles Dickens. There are many things from which I might have derived good by which I have not profited, I dare say, returned the nephew. Christmas among the rest. But I am sure I have always thought of Christmas time when it has come around. Apart from the veneration due to its sacred name and origin, if anything belonging to it can be apart from that, as a good time, a kind, forgiving, charitable, pleasant time. The only time I know of in the long calendar of the year when men and women seem by one consent to open their shut-up hearts freely and to think of people below them as if they really were fellow passengers to the grave and not another race of creatures bound on other journeys. And therefore, uncle, though it has never put a scrap of gold or silver in my pocket, I believe that it has done me good and will do me good. And I say, God bless it. That's from a Christmas carol. And then there's also this quick one here. Um, uh, there is, wait, I lost my quote. That makes me so sad. Where did it go? I can't, I literally just deleted it as I was about to read it to you guys. And now I'm realizing that it disappeared on me. Oh, Yes. While there is infection and disease and sorrow, there is nothing in the world so irresistibly contagious as laughter and good humor. My friends, go spread that over this holiday season, over Christmas and over uh, New Year's. Laughter and good humor and uh, hugs and lots of good food. And take some naps while you can, all right? We're going to have a very busy 2017. I will be live in the Freedom Hut tomorrow, so this is not goodbye for 2016. Don't worry about that. Back with you tomorrow, our last show of the year. Looking forward to it. Until then, my friends, my family, Shields High. You're listening to Buck Sexton on the Blaze Radio Network.